Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the Executive Director of Church Partnership Evangelism. It's been my joy to bring these teachings to you from God's Word for over 20 years. If you wish to learn more about our ministries abroad, go to traincpe.org and to learn about our church fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today we're looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, where Paul says that we exult in tribulations. Yes, he says the true believer will discover that they boast or glory in trials and tribulations because, well, the true believer will endure those trials, and they will endure them in such a way that the nature of their faith will be confirmed. And a faith that proves itself in the heat of trials is something to exult in. Paul starts with tribulation. The word that he uses for tribulation is a word that means basically pressure. It's to be pressed upon by resistance. And it applies something more than just the usual trials that everyone goes through in a fallen world. This is the example of somebody who is doing something more than just plowing through a thorny situation in life. This is much more than just pain in childbirth. This is more than just hitting, you know, red lights on your way home when you're hungry and just, you know, getting a little frustrated. There's something more than this. This is the marshalling of Satan, the God of this age, bringing trials against us and pressures against our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, before coming to Christ, you were an enemy of the holy God of all creation. After coming to Christ, you have become an enemy of the unholy God of this age. And He's against you. And He's opposed to you. And He seeks to bring upon you sufferings and afflictions and tribulations in order to drive you, in order to punish you for that. So Paul starts with tribulations, hardships. The next thing he says, we endure them. Again, that implies that this tribulation is something more than being cut off in traffic. This is something more than just having a bad day or a brief disruption in your life. This is a plight, this is a tribulation that you have to persevere through. This is a tribulation you have to endure through. And the idea here is that there's a continued faithfulness that goes on in a long test, in a long plodding ground of difficulty. And this produces this tribulation, this enduring tribulation, produces then a demonstration in your life of perseverance or endurance. And you can't experience endurance, by the way, without some kind of suffering. The suffering that you have to endure through. Nobody endures through a happy marriage. You don't. You don't suffer through it. You delight in it. Nobody endures a bad meal, or a good meal, I should say. If it's delicious and it's steak and it's, you don't endure it. You enjoy it. Oh, you got to suffer through some things. Sometimes it feels like the plate that's been delivered up to you over and over and over again is, you know, sour mash. And you just got to plod through it, endure it. So Paul starts with tribulation. He adds to it this testimony of endurance. And then the King James gives to us what equals character. And the Greek word there for character is a proven 
or approved character. You might think that you're something. You might think that you have something. You might think that you're going to produce something, but you don't really know until you're put to the test. Once you're put to the test, you find out really what you're made of. You find you prove the metal of what you think you've got or what you have or what you are or what's happened to you. It, it happens. It presents itself to the test. You go through tribulation. You endure it, and it proves, it provides a test to prove what you're made of. You younger people won't be able to relate to this. You've got to go back a while, but maybe some of you can remember back in the mid-80s, the American tourist commercial for the luggage, the American tourister luggage. There was a woman who comes, and she's got her nice American tourister suitcase. She's in the airport. There's another man alongside of them. They check in their bags, and both of them put their suitcases on the conveyor belt, and the conveyor belt goes back behind the wall, and then on the other side of the wall, there's a gorilla. And he grabs these suitcases and starts swinging them around and slamming on them and jumping on them. And one of them crumples all up to pieces and the American tourister holds true and endures the test as the gorilla tramples all over it. And then on the other side, when they reach their destination, the two individuals, the man and the woman, are waiting for their suitcases. And the man's suitcase comes out and there's clothes all over the place and his suitcases in pieces. And the woman's American tourist, that suitcase comes out pristine. No worse for the wear, you might say. It's proven itself. It's been tested. Its character has been proven. All right. It's a bad illustration. But that's what Paul's talking about. You, you go through tribulation. You're roiled about over an enduring period of time by the gorilla. You endure it. And the character is proven of what you are. The test comes out and character is proven. And now you take that tribulation and you add to it endurance. And then you come up with this proven character. And what this does is it brings to you a confirmed faith, a hope, something that we're going to talk about here a little bit more fully, but the hope is found in this. You discover that your faith is not something you've just painted upon your life. This is not just a conventional suit of clothes that you've put on, an intellectual turn in your mind. This is not something that you just put on to conveniently deal with the problems in your life for a moment so you'd feel better, but you found out that this thing that you believed and this thing that you trusted in had fixed itself down deep into your soul and that it endured through the storm and the difficulty. It wasn't a trivial thing. It wasn't a trite thing. You thought you meant it. You thought you believed it, but you weren't sure. Then you went through the test and you found out, I did. There was a transformation that took place in my life. I didn't dream these things up. This just wasn't a moment of excitement, of a thrill for a moment of relief, but this was an enduring change. and That produces hope. See, it's the experience of a transformed life that God allows to be demonstrated to you in the midst of tribulation as you endure it and you endure and prove the test that brings you hope. But on the other side, there's more than this. It's not simply that you endure, but it's how you endured. It's that you endured and in the endurance, in the test, in the grind, in the abrasion of the experience that you were going through, the surface of your life was knocked away to prove what was underneath it all and what it was this, the motivation, the passion, the desire that was revealed in your life was this. And those moments of trial and those moments of testing as you endured, as you came through, what God demonstrated was above everything else, you had a love for Him and you experienced His love for you. It was the enduring testimony of love that brought you through it. You weren't holding on because you were just fearful. You weren't holding on so that you could just go along with the crowd. You weren't holding on just because you wanted to concede to some good argument and then you were afraid to change your opinion because people would think ill of you. It wasn't simply because you were just trying to pose a conservative route. You know, you just 
placed a bet down because you wanted to go to heaven in the end. And that's all you were going after. No, you, you held on. You met with him and he met you in the midst of your difficulty and your challenge. And the thing that was keeping you true to him and bound to him. And the thing that was exposed in the midst of all that suffering was the love of God that had been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. That's encouraging. In the middle of all the trials and difficulties of my life, when I discovered not only that I endure and put up with it, you know, a lot of people put up with a lot of grief because they're just not courageous enough to change their situation. They decide, better the devil I know than the devil I don't know. I'll just suffer here and I'll just endure it and this is just a plot of life, but there's no encouragement in that. Just kind of holding on because of a kind of conservatism that says, well, I'm just stubborn, I'm not going to give up. If I give up now, people will say I was wrong and I'm not going to let anybody know that I was wrong in this opinion I had. And people do that too. They'll hang on just because they stubbornly want to be in the right or whatever it is. There's no hope in that. There's no rejoicing or hope in that. So when you go through those trials and those difficulties and what's exposed is not a stubborn nature and not a conservative nature and not a fearful nature. I've met individuals. I remember telling an individual who was had to make a difficult decision and he didn't want to do the thing he should have done and I told him and he, he used a lot of Bible verses to say this is why he was doing it and I told him he had the faith of a coward his wasn't great faith he was using those verses because he just didn't want to change his way and step into an area that would make him totally dependent upon God and step in an area that people might say looked wrong and didn't look right because of the conventional wisdom of the day it was just the faith of a coward and interestingly enough about 15 or 20 years after that sitting over here in the seat I got a phone call and I saw it was from him and well it was a message and I hadn't heard from him in 20 years and he said you were right I had the faith of a coward and God has finally revealed to me my sin that kind of faith oddly enough can endure through a lot of situations but there's no hope in it there's no joy in it there's no delighting in it no but when we endure and what's exposed instead is an overwhelming love for God and an overwhelming sense of his love for us. Oh, that's something to discover. That's something wonderful. That's something glorious. And when everything is threatened to be taken away from you, and you find that the love of God for you and upon you and from you, going back to him, takes the place of everything and is better than everything that you're afraid of losing, well, now there's hope. There's hope when you discover that. That's, hope. that's something glorious. So, that's all groundwork here. Let's make four observations. But let's make four observations from the statement that Paul says we glory in tribulations and trials. The first thing is this. Trials and tribulations should be expected by the one who has set his faith or her faith on Jesus Christ. In fact, if you don't experience trials and tribulations, you should be concerned. You should expect them for two reasons. And here's the first reason. The first reason is because... Satan and the world are opposed to those who are totally given a faith to Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's just going to happen. Here's a great informative passage. Go to John chapter 7. Go to John chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. It's the account of the Lord Jesus' his half-brothers who have come to him and they're encouraging him to go up to Jerusalem to prove himself. And they're, they're actually mocking him and they're expressing their cynicism of him. And the Lord Jesus has an answer for them that I think 
reveals to us something of this nature of the persecution we experience when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is what we read in John 7 verses 1 through 8. After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples may also see the works that you're doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. And then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I'm not going up to the feast, this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. When he said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. What can we take from this? There are different things we take from it, but simply this. The man or woman who has given themselves to follow Jesus Christ is now a person who is living against his times. He's living against the age. He is out of sync with the world, and the world is against them. And they can't just go on living the way they lived before. Everybody else, they're just kind of floating along. They're just moving along with the current of the age, and the world can't necessarily go against them because they're with the grain of the world. Not so with the believer. As a result, we experience trials, and we experience difficulties, and among other things, we've got to be wise. We've got to be a little bit calculated in how we live our lives. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. We'd love to hear from you. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to send us a message of encouragement or a prayer request. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.